So I had this uh, series planned that we were going to, you know, kind of kick off the new year. It was called, I'll Do It Tomorrow, which means it was going to be talking about procrastination and how we should not be putting off the things that we should be doing right now. So, rightfully so, I decided to push that series back and not do it right now. I'm putting it off until later. <laughs> Actually, I had it all done, beginning of the week, sermons written, it's ready to go, I'm liking it, this is amazing. And then there happened to be some events that were taking place in this nation. I don't know if any of you caught any of that. Um, or maybe you're like me, and as soon as you started to hear a little bit about it, you decided that you didn't want to hear anymore, so you became an ostrich, and you buried your head in the sand, and it's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. There's just chaos and confusion in the world. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like the REM song comes back to my mind. You know, it's the end of the world as we know it. And all of a sudden, I put my head in the sand, and I'm like, and I feel fine. And it's like, you know, this is, this is working for me. But I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm fed up with the negativity. I'm like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's just like, I'm, I'm over this. I'm done. I mean, I thought that 2020 season two was going to be enjoyable. But apparently season two is just like season one and it's no good. And this show needs to be canceled. I mean, just, I'm done with it. Get rid of it. I mean, it was, it was good for the four days it lasted. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's like, what is going on? And so, I don't know. I just, I, I stopped watching the news. I stopped paying attention to anything anybody was posting on social media. I had pastors and other Christians reaching out to me. Josh, give me some, some ideas. Give me some commentary. What do you have to say about this? And I was like... Um, I'm not saying anything because I don't know and I don't really care at the moment. I am not going to think about this. And about that moment, God started to drop some things in me. And it kind of led me down this path of instead of, you know, I'll do it tomorrow being the series. Well, the series is now just tomorrow. And God started to show me some things that I think are going to help us. Because maybe you're not like me and maybe you haven't put your head in the sand. Maybe you haven't buried it. Maybe you've actually been paying attention. Because some of us have been paying attention to what's going on. And I know some of us have been paying attention. I know that there are many out there that are paying attention to what is going on in the world. I know this because I'm hearing that people are panicking. I'm hearing people who are worried. I'm hearing people who are concerned. I'm hearing people who are confused. And yet I'm hearing people that are running off on their mouths to their friends, to their coworkers, and to their neighbors, rather than running off at the mouth to their Savior. They're not actually praying about things. They're just complaining about things. And they're worried. And then it gets even worse because I hear many in the body of Christ, many teachers, many supposed prophets that have been saying things that are supposed to be happening. Well, guess what? You were wrong. You missed it. And they're saying, guess what? We were wrong. We missed it. And there are many prophets out there. Prophets. I'm putting air quotes around it. If anybody's just listening to the audio of this, I am putting air quotes around prophets because they have been prophesying lies. 
and they're now admitting that they were lies. They're saying that they've missed the mark and they're repenting of it. And what has happened is we have taken our eyes off of the right thing and placed it on all of the wrong things. And there's like so much anxiety building inside of this world and inside of the body of Christ. And it's like, all I want to do is just cry out, have you not read Philippians 4, 6 that says, be anxious about nothing. But I think that our culture and our society has rewritten that passage. And in my observation, examining people, here is what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 would read out of the modern humanity translation. We are anxious about everything, and by grumbling and complaining with a dose of whining, we have made our fears known to the enemy, and the peace of God has been replaced by worry and left us confused with our hearts and minds unguarded and tainted by the world. You see, that's what's happening to people. That's what's happening to the body of Christ. Because I'm seeing this panic, and I'm seeing the confusion, and I'm seeing all of this, and I'm like... Relax. It's okay. I have read this. I don't know if you have, but I've read this. Every word in this. Okay, maybe not every word because I haven't went through all the glossary in it. But all of the important words from Genesis 1 through Revelation. And you know what I saw? I read the end of it. Spoiler alert. It's going to be okay. We who have put our faith in Christ are going to be fine. Whatever goes on out there in the world is not going to rewrite his story that we win. But maybe you've been like me this week and placed your head in the sand. Maybe you're like many in the world and you have been panicking. Well, thank God for his word. Thank God for him speaking to me this week and saying, Josh, you're not going to do that message. You're going to do this message. And I, and I loved it because he started to take me back through time into the Old Testament where the history has already been written. And I found so many parallels that I'm like, God, there's a bunch of parallels. Like, I could just take 2020, 2021 and drop it into any of these and they would fit perfectly. Which one would you have me to minister on? And he led me to Isaiah. And I want you to see what God actually has to say to his people, because I believe that this is not a message that you should leave thinking doom and gloom, and this is a message that you should be discouraged, or, or this is a message that you should be leaving and thinking, uh, way to go, Pastor Josh, that was a downer. No, I believe that this is going to be a message that if we really see what God is doing, and if we really hear what the Spirit is trying to say, we're going to leave here encouraged and blessed. We're going to leave with a hope that no matter what is happening out there, it's okay. It's okay. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the main text that we've got for the day, and it's in Isaiah chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. We've got it. We'll pull it up on the screen for you. And for those of us that don't have a physical Bible, I guess I should have said, if you just want to open up your app and slide up to Isaiah chapter 26, you'll find it right there. And I want us to look at 
a couple verses here in Isaiah chapter 26, and I want us to kind of focus in on verse 3 and 4. And then we're going to unpack this because I want to explain kind of the context and what was going through Isaiah at this moment and how Isaiah got to this point in Isaiah chapter 26. It says in Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Look at that in verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. Hey, there's confusion in the world if you haven't noticed. There's chaos in the world if you haven't noticed. There is calamity, there is destruction, there is disease. There is this pandemic that still will not go away. I don't know if you've noticed any of these things. But God will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are stayed on Him. If our minds are stayed on Him. God will put us in that place of perfect peace if we're looking at Him and not looking at everything else. He will keep us in perfect peace if we're looking up and not looking down or looking all around. You see, Isaiah got to this place. But yet 20 chapters earlier, it tells how Isaiah came to be this prophet. And it talks about how it happened at the death of King Uzziah. Now, King Uzziah was one of the greatest kings that's out there. And, and many don't think about him and don't hear about him. And it primarily has to do with us being focused more on King David. It's like everybody knows what King David did, but there was King Uzziah. He actually had one of the most successful, the most successful reign in all of Judah, one of the tribes of Israel. And he was the king at the height of Israel or of Judah's reign. At the height of his reign, the nation prospered like they had never seen before. They had practiced these and implemented these water conservation methods that actually reclaimed desert areas. They were reconstructing the walls around Jerusalem. They were adding towers in the place. They had created what the scripture talks about, engines of war. In other words, they had figured out and created these devices to help protect them when it came to military conflict that would launch arrows and launch stones. They were the ones coming up with this and starting to use it in a successful manner. They were able to maintain a large army during this time. And this was all considered to be a result of Uzziah's fidelity and faithfulness to God. But yet, even in all of this power and all of their success and all of the prosperity that they enjoyed, what happened with Uzziah is that he started to get arrogant. He started to get proud. And he started to let that pride rule over him to the point that he started stepping out of the bounds of what he had called to be as a king. He wanted to start operating in other areas. He started to infiltrate the church roles and responsibilities and started doing acts that were meant to be sacred and only for the priests. And because he had done this, God wouldn't stand for it. God would not put up with somebody who was being arrogant and getting out of line and thinking that they knew better. 
God had brought all of this prosperity because of his faithfulness. And what happened was God was about to take it all away and destroy Uzziah because of the lack of faithfulness and because of his arrogance. What God wound up doing is he actually struck Uzziah with leprosy. And you combine his illness that he had with the fact that he was abusing his power. And all of a sudden, what happened is they were booting him out of office. But it wasn't just that. Look at what it says here in 2 Chronicles 26, chapter 20. It says, And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place. But look at, look at this right here. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. They hadn't even removed him fully from office. He wouldn't even stick around. It was his son that was then going to succeed him and take over the throne. And he wouldn't stick around to see his son's appointment as king. He wanted nothing to do with it because he was ashamed. Because he had been defeated, because he had been struck down by God. Because God had acknowledged his arrogance and pulled the rug out from under him. Where does that leave Judah? Where does that leave Judah, who had been sitting here and they had been enjoying all of this prosperity and now they don't know what's going to happen? This is a king that they loved. This is a king that they admired. This is a king that they followed. And all of a sudden, he's now been cast out by God. God has removed any favor that he had had because of his arrogance. It left them in a state of confusion. It left them in this state of upheaval. What is going to happen? What is going on? As you read through in 2 Chronicles chapter 27, chapter 28, you see what winds up happening is the people start to abandon the faithfulness to God. God's people abandon Him. Which just shows that God's people weren't following Him in the first place. They were following their king, Uzziah, not their king, the Lord. They were following the wrong thing. And because of that, it says that the people enjoyed their wickedness. They started reveling in their wicked ways. They stopped doing what was right in God's eyes. And yet that we come to Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. And here is where Isaiah is called to be a prophet. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flewed. One cried to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, I love this. Here Hold on, just before you get this, just before we read this, I want you to get something here really quick. I want you to get something really fast here. 
People think that prophets out there are only going to point you to the good things and the prosperous things that are to come. I challenge you. I want you. I Please, do yourself a favor. Go read Jeremiah chapter 27, 28 that leads up to Jeremiah 29, 11 that we all love to say where God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. But if you will read the previous two chapters, you will see that Jeremiah the prophet was in a battle with all of these other false prophets who were saying that God is about ready to redeem us and save us from all of the calamity of the world. And Jeremiah steps up and he's like, no, it is not. Not yet, because you have not learned your lesson and you have not focused on God. And he will do it at his appointed time, but it's not as you see. And each one of those prophets were struck down. Each one of those prophets were made to be false prophesying. They were found out. And here you see what a true prophet of God Isaiah is doing. And look what he says in verse 5. He says, woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lip. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. That's the moment that Isaiah has been solidified as God's prophet during this time. The prophet that is to help lead Judah and Israel away from the destruction that they had put themselves in during and after King Uzziah. And here is Isaiah stepping up and he's like, Woe is me! I'm unclean! I'm saying the wrong things! I have said the wrong things! But I have seen the Lord! I have seen He is holy! And God touches him and touches those lips with a live coal that is symbolic of the purification that comes from fire. He purges or covers his sin. That's what that word purge really means here in the Hebrew. It means to cover it. I want you to see something here real fast though. Because this is the moment where you could sit there and think, oh great, doom and gloom. No. Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah, the prophet. That his messianic prophecies that God give him pointed to Jesus hundreds of years before he ever came. The first mention of the messianic prophecy comes right after this. Right after Uzziah dies, Isaiah goes to his son. And he tells him that there is going to be a virgin who is born, will have a child, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. The true prophet rose up in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion and on the back of all of these evil things that were done in God's name. He rises up and he starts to give an encouraging word to each and every one of us, telling us about the coming Messiah. But he's telling them at the same time, you have to remain faithful to God. You have to stop following your wicked ways. You have to repent of your rebellion. You need to focus on God. You need to trust God. You need to follow God. And this is where Isaiah comes back 
in verse 26 or chapter 26. And he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I love this out of the Amplified Translation. It says you will guard him and keep him in perfect peace and constant peace. Anybody want some constant peace in their life? I don't know about you, but I do. You'll keep him in perfect peace and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Or maybe we can put it this way, the way that the New Living Translation says it. You'll keep him in perfect peace who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, if your thoughts are fixed on chaos and calamity, well, your thoughts are going to be scattered. If your thoughts are focused on destruction and division, then your thoughts will be thoughts of confusion. If your thoughts are focused on the world and its ways, then your thoughts are going to be full of worries. But if you will fix your thoughts on God, God will fix your thoughts. And all of a sudden, the peace that passes understanding guards our hearts, guards our minds. You see, this is a message of hope. Because if God's done it, then God will do it. You see, God never fails. You see, we were just singing that song. You'll do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. I've seen you do it. I've seen you move the mountains. And I know you'll do it again. See, that's the, the great thing that comes from reading a message like this. Because we see this man, Isaiah, who is following a king in a reign, in a nation that succeeded and found prosperity. And all of a sudden, the destruction comes in. The confusion comes in. And yet here's this man, Isaiah, that rises up. And he's like, I've, I've seen God. I've seen God. I know that this world is not what I'm supposed to be following. I've seen God. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. He's crying out to God in repentance. And what does God do? He comes down and saves him. And here we are. 20 chapters later, and Isaiah's like, man, this is amazing. He's like, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. He's like, you're going to keep him in this place. You'll keep him in perfect peace who trusts in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Isaiah is excited at this point because he's like, it, it doesn't matter what's going on. And you read biblical history and you see he still had to struggle through things. But yet he was in what he declares perfect peace. It's what the Amplified declares as constant peace. Why does it have to be constant to be perfect? 
Because if at any point in time it ceases to be peace, it can't be perfect. It now is lacking something. It is missing something. But that's not what Isaiah experienced. And if we will keep our thoughts fixed on God, well, God's going to fix those thoughts. And what he's going to do is he's going to bring that perfect peace upon us so that we don't have to be walking around panicking because of what the news is saying. We don't have to be walking around confused or worried about what is actually going on in the world. And we don't have to do what I did and try to bury my head in the sand for a week just to ignore it. Because if we will keep our thoughts fixed on God, he fixes those thoughts. See, God never fails. And if we've seen him do it once, he'll do it again. Psalms chapter 33. I want to read here verse 8 through 11 for you. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, man, that's some perfect peace. Because I have seen the plans of his heart. I know what the plans of his heart are. The plans of his heart are for our good, not our destruction. The plans of his heart are for us to be in communion and fellowship with him. To be loved by him and to have his love poured out on us. Not to be walking around in fear. The plans of his heart are for not to, for us to have any struggle, but to rather have all success. The plans of his heart are for, not to, uh, for us to be in poverty, but for us to reign in prosperity. I know that those are his plans. And because I know that those are his plans, I'm like, well, this is good news. Because quite frankly, I don't know what the plans of anybody else in this world is. But the one thing I know about most of humanity is they're selfish beings. And they can say a whole lot of good things, but men have a tendency to lie. And yet God is not a man that he should lie. And so when I know that God has said something, and I know that he promises it, I know that God never fails. Even when leaders do. Even when nations do. Even when loved ones do. I know that God never does. If I fix my mind, if I fix my thoughts on God's faithfulness to his word, well, all of a sudden, God starts fixing my thoughts that are contrary to that. I think the problem is, we don't understand what that word fix means, or even what different translations say stayed is. We don't understand that. And maybe it's because we often hear fix. You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. And we're like, fixed? Okay, so we need to fix it. So we need to start tweaking and, and messing with things. And we need to start putting ourselves in here and doing a bunch of these things. And that's how we fix 
Now, that's not the fix that God is talking about, which is why many other translations don't use the word fix, and instead they say it's stayed. In other words, God wants our thoughts to be on him and not to move off of him. God wants our thoughts to stay on his word and not move to what's happening in the world. But what happens is we're not fixing our thoughts on that. Instead, we're trying to figure things out. And really, the energy that you're spending trying to figure out what God is doing behind the scenes, do you actually think you're going to be able to comprehend it? The energy that you're spending running around like a chicken with your head cut off because you don't know what God's doing and you can't see what God's doing, do you think that's actually going to move God? Do you think that all of a sudden that panic motion running around and being like, but God, you don't know what's going on here. God, can you see what's happening in the world? It's all falling down. Do you really think that all that panicking has somehow got God to go, oh, oh me, what just happened? I didn't know this was happening. Oh, I better do something now. Do, do we really think that that's what the case was? Then why are we acting like it? When we're worried, when we're confused, when our minds are all over the place, you know what's happening? We're panicking. When we ought to be praising. We ought to be focused on all of those good things and saying, it's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. And you know why I feel fine? Because I've read the end. Because I know what's happening. Because I've fixed my thoughts on God, and God has fixed my thoughts. Anybody ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? I want to kind of tell this story, and I'll wrap up here. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, she's a, a Holocaust survivor. And... Her family really helped hide a lot of the Jews from Nazis, and her family was tortured and persecuted because of it. And, mash, amazing, amazing story, amazing life, amazing dedication and faithfulness to God. She often talked about not trying to figure things out because she knew that she couldn't. She, she has this poem that she wrote, and it was, Life is But Weaving, and it came from a thought that she had looking at, like, tapestry. Looking at tapestry, and I'd planned on bringing my hat, but I think you've all seen some form of tapestry or embroidery before, so you can get this mental picture of it, but you ever looked at it from the backside? Where you start to look at it from the backside, and it's, like, all messy, and it's like disorganized. And I'm thinking, how did they even do that? And a lot of times you find these, these quilts that are maybe like embroidered and there's a lot of these big tapestry things and you see it from the backside and it's, it's dark. And I've never figured that out. Like the front side is kind of light and easy to see. The backside is like dark and, and muted and it's kind of confusing to see. Actually, Kira, do me a favor. Run in the office and there's a, a blanket in there. I think I'll show this illustration. And it's one of those things that oftentimes we, we see it from one side and it's all clear, but we see it from the back side and we're like, I don't, I don't know what that is. It doesn't look right. It looks 
odd. It, it looks a little different. You see, that's often what happens when we're trying to figure out what God is even doing because we can't quite see what is happening and we can't quite see what is out there. And so it's like we're, we're looking and things are just, they look weird. It just doesn't look right. But if we could see things from the other side, well, all of a sudden it becomes very clear. And we know what's going on. Well, see, that's the thing for us is we're often seeing it from the backside. What God is doing in this world, we're seeing it from the backside and it doesn't make sense. But we're failing to realize that God sees it from all sides. And he knows what it really looks like. And we won't see what God sees until after it's already been done. It's that hindsight. Corey Ten Boom said, My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget to see the upper, that he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reasons why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. You see, we're often looking at things from the wrong side. And because we're looking at things from the wrong side, we're spending more time trying to figure it out. And we shouldn't be figuring when we need to be fixing. We shouldn't be figuring out what God is doing or trying to figure out what God is doing. All we need to focus is on what God has already done and what God has already said. Isaiah tells us that he will keep us in perfect peace. Keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'm telling you, if we will just fix our thoughts on God, God will fix those thoughts. Let's pray.